0: everyone, and welcome to the My Vietnam Podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Tooley, and my co-host, Ringo Lee, is here today as well.
1: Hello, Marissa. Hello, everyone listening. This is Ringo Lee. How are you today?
0: On today's show, we have a very special guest all the way from London, Matt Lucas. He's the new host of Netflix show, The Great British Bake Off.
1: Well, before we begin, first I'd like to take a moment and address our nation's loss of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She died on Friday, September 18th, 2020, on the eve of Rosh Hashanah. She was a trailblazer and a champion of race and gender equality. It was very heartbreaking for me because I have seen all of the documentaries and films about her. What did you feel, Marissa?
0: Well, Ringo, as a woman and a lawyer, I am reeling the huge loss. You know, her tenacity and resilience inspired me to become an attorney and continue the fight for equal rights. And also, from that, you know, it really led me to become the producer that I am today because I really feel like the media, film, television can really bring the message out for equal rights as well. So producing is really related to that.
1: Oh, I can totally understand and agree with you. And in her honor, I hope that one day our work may be a memory to the blessing that she was right
0: right and I agree
1: now let's listen to the show of my interview with Matt Lucas on Skype sorry if there were some noise frequency issues because Matt came all the way from London England to talk to us so without further ado let me introduce you to Matt Lucas who has been on such shows as Doctor Who Bridesmaids, and Alice in Wonderland. Let's have a listen. Hello, Matt. Thank you for uh, agreeing to do the podcast with me. Welcome to the My Vietnam Podcast. Um, I would be
2: your podcast every day if it was up to me.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. And uh, I do this podcast as like um, an arts and entertainment (laughs) podcast to... um, to reach out to people and, and uh, ask them questions, you know, life questions that I'm curious about. And um,
2: I've known you, actually, for a very long time. So we met in, um, I would say, January 1998. Was it January? No, Ma- or was it March? Maybe. Was it around your birthday? It was around my birthday, so anyway, we met at the beginning of nineteen ninety-eight, which is twenty-two years ago. Yeah, which is almost half our lives. We met in um, San Francisco. We were in a bar. I was in a bar with a guy called Dan, who I had a major crush on, but it wasn't reciprocated. Oh, uh, he'd worked as a technician on on a show I did, but we'd become we'd become good friends. Yeah, and. Uh, we decided to go away together anyway, even just as friends, which was fine. And we had a really nice time. And neither of us had ever been to the States before. Yeah. And, um, uh, and we went to San Francisco for a week. And um, uh, we stayed in a hotel called the Commodore International.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And we went to a bar on, I don't know, maybe the first, maybe the second day, third day. Probably the second day. Uh, and we got talking to you. Mm-hmm. And we got to a guy I think called Omar,
1: mm-hmm.
2: who was Oklahoma. Omar really, Omar from Oklahoma. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then you were the most kind, hospitable host we could ever have hoped to have. You, you, you took us around the city. You drove us around. You showed us around. We didn't know you. You didn't no. know us. But you, you were really kind and gracious. And we swapped addresses, and this is this is uh, before social networking, social media, email had
1: just started, right?
2: Or it didn't even really. It was It was really new. It was ninety eight. So not everyone I knew in nineteen ninety eight had an email address yet. You know that was kind of not everyone had the internet. It was. 56k modems. In fact, I did not yet have the internet. Wow. So I, so I didn't give you an email address cause I didn't have one yet. Um, and, uh, but we swapped postal addresses and we got back and I did that kind of stupid thing of leaving it. And then maybe three or four months before I wrote to you three months, maybe. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: and, uh, no reply and you had moved.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I was evicted.
2: You were evicted? I didn't (laughs) know that. Yes,
1: I was evicted. Um, Yeah, San Francisco was burgeoning at the time with um, all those tech companies coming in, you know, and I thought it was like that artsy-fartsy scene, you know, from the 60s and 70s, and... Pretty more corporate, Right, San Francisco. Yeah, and then... um, yeah, I was just pushed out and I was going to San Francisco State working at a different light bookstore and I, I think I finished a shift and I was going to go to the gym that day that I met you and I was eating like all vegetables and I was really sick of it and I think I ju- just chucked the vegetables into the, the garbage can and I went to a bar to drink and that's how I ended up meeting you guys and you guys were spectacular because you guys were so different from everything that was the world that, you know, I lived in, and I thought it was so spectacular, because you didn't have, like, all of those hang-ups that those people in the city did, even though, you know, it was advertised as, like, free and liberating and stuff like that, but then when you actually live there, you don't find that, you know? And you guys were the, actually, the liberal, um, the liberated ones, and I just felt, like, so attached to you guys, and that's, that's how our friendship started,
2: yeah, we went out at night, we went to a Vietnamese restaurant, you took us to a cafe, yeah. I'd never eaten Vietnamese food before, and you told us of how you had, you and your family had come to America yeah. um, from Vietnam, you told us about the boat, you told us things that had happened on the boat, and mm-hmm. um, and how your family had worked their way up. Yeah. Uh, and how in some ways you were very proud of them and you obviously loved them and respected them. And in other ways, sometimes you had felt, you, you were questioning whether they had let go of their Vietnamese identity mm-hmm. in order to achieve those things. Yeah. Um, you yourself were sort of struggling between how American to be and how Vietnamese to be. And you. I, I sense that you had more of a calling towards the Vietnamese life, really, than your, wow. than your family did at that time. You were twenty-one, I think. Yeah, yeah you were, and um, you were. I'm saying this in a good way. You were very intense.
1: Right, you were right. young,
2: intense. <laughs> you were impassioned. Uh, you were very serious. Yeah, you were academic and cultured and learned, and we found it very inspiring. And and just as we were sort of, um, what's the word, like, just as we were sort of almost a novelty to you, you know, that we were, we were so different, you were so different to us, you know, it worked both ways. Wow. So we, we went to Alcatraz that week. Did you come with us? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we went to Alcatraz and did the audio tour and you were so kind in that, um, you drove us around and you drove us to the airport on the way back, saving us a very expensive taxi ride. And, um, you bought us, uh, a big box of C's candy
1: for the, uh, yeah. it
2: was so generous. Um, and it was great. And I was heartbroken when I couldn't, um, trace you. Right. Uh, uh, I, I, I wrote to you, I didn't hear back. I think I phoned the, I called the number yeah. that you, and they said that you didn't live there anymore. And then 10 years later, 2008, I was in Los Angeles um, and I was uh, filming Alice in Wonderland.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. And uh, I had a friend, um, stage name is Ethan Lee Fong, who's a brilliant um, actor, often in uh, stage musicals. He played Aladdin on Broadway. Yes. Um, And he had been in... Little Britain USA in one of the sketches, mm, mm-hmm. and um, very handsome. I, I was quite enamoured of him. I, I never, I've never told him that, so he's watching this it'll be the first time he knows <laughs> that. And um, uh, very beautiful. And and um, we had a mutual friend back in the UK. So I, we, he, when we, when I was doing, David was doing the sketch with him. I was, you know, sitting nearby and talking to him, and he said, oh, "Do you remember me? We met in London and." And then I was like, oh, yeah, I remember you. So Ethan, who, you know, who I'm still in contact with, and, and, and um, Ethan contacted me and said, oh, this, uh, this guy's trying to get in touch with you, um, uh, Ringo. <laughs> I'm like, oh. And now at this moment, 2008, you know, Little Britain had been recent, and I was in Alice in Wonderland, and so it wasn't unusual for me to have someone say, oh, so-and-so knows, knows you, right? remembers, yeah, no. remembers you. And sometimes it's people asking me to read their scripts and um, give advice or will I do a charity thing or something like that. You know, this, it's, it's written most days of my life that so I hear, oh, so-and-so, can mm-hmm. I talk to you about this? So I just thought, oh, I don't know a ring now. <laughs> and, and he was saying he's a film director. You met him in San Francisco, and I was going. Oh, I don't, I've only been to San Francisco a couple of times because that was the other thing. I went back to San Francisco. Oh, you did? I met you. Oh, yeah, wow. and of course, and I and I and again, I was like looking for you, but couldn't find you. Ringo Lee, and I was just like, I don't know a, a, a Ringo Lee, and he's a, he's a movie director. He met you years <laughs> ago, and Ringo Lee, Ringo, and then oh my god, it Vin, came, the two came well. together. <laughs> yeah, if you would remember me and remember that I was remember that I was the same guy that was, or yeah. Anyway, and so we made contact and then we met up at the Grove. Yeah. Uh, and we went, I think, for an Italian meal, and then, uh, or did we meet at the Grove? Or did we meet and maybe we met in? Um, no, I think we met there, and then it we met the again. It was the Grove. It was at, the Grove. Uh, in Los Files.
1: Yeah.
2: And we called up Dan. I think we left messages for Dan. Yeah. Um, and then since then obviously we've been in each other's lives and mm. uh and it's it's funny that's uh just such good fortune.
1: Yeah. So how has your year been?
2: Um my year has been really really not in any way shape or form what I thought it was going to be. Obviously. Yeah. My year has been uh well obviously the pandemic has shaped the world's year yeah um for me uh at the beginning of the year i didn't really know what i was going to be doing no i didn't know i didn't know what 2020 had in store i i i i was i was i was had something that i wanted to write for television um and something else that i was trying to sell to television and actually, both of those things are on hold. Uh, I went to Chicago at the beginning of the um, pandemic, just before the pandemic really took hold, to uh, be in a, a pilot for Fox. Yeah, really great script, and I was very excited. And I went to Chicago, and I was there less than forty-eight hours, and then they they um, they sent me back. Um, closed production and then I came back to my house Mm -hmm. um, and I I was living in Los Angeles but I sold up there late last year so I came back to my little house in London and I was watching television and I saw a lot of people were not taking the pandemic seriously, they were not distancing, Um, they were being very reckless, I was watching it on the news here and I'd taken possession, uh, delivery that day of a a little electric piano because i I'm going to be locked down. I, want, uh, I would love to have a piano here to play. And I'm not a trained pianist or anything like that. But I, um, I sat down at the piano and I um, played uh, an old song that I'd written, actually, uh, around the time I met you. Right, right. Comedy TV show, a minute-long song called Thank You, Baked Potato. And I updated the lyrics uh, this, of this comic song to um to to uh to reflect the situation with um with the uh, pandemic and i just sang it and put it on you on twitter and it went viral millions and millions and millions of people saw it and um and someone said one of my friends said oh you should you should record you should record it and put it out as a single for a charity and at at the same time i was involved in this charity here called feed nhs um, because all the supermarkets were, the grocery stores were were closed, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it was very hard for anyone to get food, and and all the uh, the national health service, the the medical staff, you know, on the front line were not able to get food. So um, uh, I was involved in launching this charity that would uh, supply hot, nutritious meals. To critical care workers on the front line in as many hospitals as we could get to, and and um, and it was a success. And the song was released and raised the profile of the charity, and it raised some money for the charity. And um, and it went to number one on the iTunes chart. Wow, and, that's amazing! Yeah, number one on the downloads chart in the UK, and um, and then we did uh, we did some merchandise. <laughs> Uh, this is the baked potato in the song <laughs> um, And there you go for Feed NHS on the back And a book came out And now there's going to be another book and another song And um, it kind of snowballed So all that happened um, uh, So yeah, that was a big thing and then, um, and then I actually have been incredibly lucky In that I have a new job um, Which uh, is a bit different for me because it's as a TV host, yeah. and I haven't done a lot of yeah. editing. Uh, usually I'm acting in scripted stuff, but um, I got a job, and it's one of the few TV shows that was able to film. So yeah. uh, there's 17 episodes, and we filmed 16 of them, and we're due, uh, touch wood, to film the final episode on Monday and Tuesday. And it's in America, it's known as the Great British Baking Show, and it's on Netflix. And well,
1: okay Congratulations. Thank you. So the Great British Bake Off, what is that format like? Is it like a baking competition? Uh, it's where it's
2: really bake? good. Yeah, so it's on Netflix in the US and it's yeah. on the 25th of September and will be on every Friday. And there's 10 mm-hmm. episodes in the, in the main season. And then we do, we do other episodes, celebrity episodes, and we do other episodes where they welcome back previous contestants from previous years. But um yeah, what happens is um, each week is a, is themed, so it might mm-hmm. be week or biscuit week. Uh, we use the word biscuit differently to the word we, we. mean something different. Is it a biscuit? Sorry, is a biscuit a scone? It, no, a biscuit is like um, a bit like a cook, like a hard cookie. A cookie, okay. Like a hard cookie that has a snap, like an Oreo. Like an Oreo would be a biscuit. Okay. And uh, so we have bread week and biscuit week and dessert week and patisserie week and uh, they're doing eighties week. And they're doing Japanese week. There, they uh, and each week has three challenges. So mm-hmm. start off with a signature challenge, and that's something that uh, you, the bakers may have two hours or two and a half hours to do. And it uh, it might be like everyone has to make a battenberg cake, but each baker will be expected to to bring their own recipe and do it their own way and use their own ingredients and their own flavours. So, people have a concept, so they're not just doing standard Battenberg cake, they're saying, oh well, I'm using, you know, uh, we had a, you know, you may have a a contestant, a baker from a different part of the world and they might be doing something to reflect where they're from with all the flavours and things like that. uh that's the first challenge. The mm-hmm. second challenge is called the technical challenge, and that is done uh, where every baker has all the ingredients underneath a sheet. Mm-hmm. So they don't, <laughs> don't know what's under that sheet, and then they're just told, okay, the uh, the judges would like you to make, for instance, it could be scones or what you call biscuits, or it could be something. It's usually something a little more ambitious than that and you have one and a half hours and off you go and they have a recipe sheet but the recipe may say do this do this bake and then bake it It won't tell you how long to bake it or what temperature you know you you have to apply your knowledge to try and figure that out um and often in that case the bakers are baking something they never heard of and never seen which is which is really which is really interesting um and then what happens is that the, all the bakes are laid out in a table and but the judges come in they don't know who baked which one so they're they they do not know they'll, they'll only find out afterwards uh, uh, they pick the number or something exactly it's done by number yeah and then the final bake takes place on the second day of recording and that's called the showstopper and that is often a five hour bake and that is a high concept bake um wow. that's really ambitious and mm-hmm. Really theatrical and something that looks extraordinary and hopefully tastes extraordinary too. And then at the end of the show, one uh, one contestant gets star baker for that week, and another person sadly is sent home. Oh. So that's the show. But it's 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 filmed in such a beautiful way, and it's very funny. It's very warm. It's very British. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it's and it's very popular around the world. And yeah. Lucky, you know, and it's great to. To exercise a different muscle, it's different from, uh, you know, writing, it's different from acting and things. So the two things I'm doing this year is really singing songs, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm writing more music now. And so I'm writing and singing songs and I'm hosting TV shows. So I'm writing children's books because uh, um, my songs also get published in book form uh, because the rhyme, you know. So, um, they sort of get published as almost long poems. So, so this year has been really weird for me in that I'm doing lots of things I haven't really done much of before.
1: So, can I ask one more question? Please do. (laughs) Um, You are, since I've known you, you have become a very successful artist. What is the one bit of advice that I could give artists?
2: so Say of you let's let's have that said.
1: What is the one um, piece of advice you can impart on an artist for success? Um,
2: well, I think I think success is three things. I think it's it, it is talent. Mm-hmm. It's uh, really hard work. Yes, and it's luck. And it's those three things, and you'll you'll need all three things, and um, for sustained success, you know, if you if you want to if you want to build a career and keep a career and keep growing, right. you right. need you need to be good at it. You need to work really hard, and you need the rub of the green, as they say. Those three mm. things, I think that. The other thing I would say, I will give a bit of advice to actors because um, I used to um, when we were doing. Uh, Shows I would often be be um, sitting on the other side, you know, where the yeah. casting director sits on that side because I'll, I'd have had a hand in writing the script and um, yeah. you know have a hand in choosing who gets cast in the role. And one of the things I learned from auditions is that you know casting directors have to justify their fee, mm. so uh, they're also they're also good at their jobs. Yeah. Means is that casting directors will might get eight people in to read for one role, small role, yeah, six lines, six lines. But they'll 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 get eight casting eight people to audition, and you can go along, and you can audition and feel you did everything right, and then you don't get the job. And if you're sitting at home thinking, well, what did I do wrong? Chances are you did absolutely nothing wrong. I mean, I have had. situations where eight people have come in and read for the same role and six Mm. have been terrific but the reason you didn't get the role is because there is only one role and there was six people all of whom were excellent and perfect and all brought something really interesting but unfortunately there is only one role so that's it so just because you didn't get the role doesn't mean you didn't do a good job you may have done a magnificent job and you'll know in your heart if you did a good job you'll know you'll know. So just because you didn't get the role doesn't mean you did a bad audition at all. And similarly, sometimes when we're doing Little Britain, uh, in particular, and other shows, we would write quite a specific role for, Mm. uh, it had to be an actor of a certain age, uh, a certain uh, shape, a certain ethnicity, a certain whatever, you know, and it might be something quite specific. And in those cases, sometimes there would only be two people who fit the spec wow. um, of the role um, available, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, they both came into audition sometimes, and maybe both of them were dreadful and just couldn't yeah. do it. But you still mm-hmm. got to cast someone because you got you, you got to do that scene. So... Yeah. so Sometimes we cast someone, and in our hearts we would know that they they weren't really right for the job, that they didn't really necessarily have what it took to play that part.
0: But yeah.
2: you still want to cast someone, so then you're thinking, OK, well, maybe we'll shoot it so that uh, maybe we'll give a few of their lines to someone else, so it's not so much for that person to do, because in the audition you did it eight times and they, they couldn't uh, get the line out, but you still need to cast the role. So you cast them. So the reason I mention that is because whereas earlier I was saying just because you got the role, sorry, whereas earlier I was saying just because you didn't get the role doesn't mean you weren't brilliant. I can yeah. also say that just because you got the role doesn't mean that you are any good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes you have to cast a role and there's only two people who are available. They both aren't right, but you've got to cast one of them. So if you do get a role in something, Don't assume that you got it for the reasons you think you got it. You literally literally might have got it because you were the only person available on that day. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get get, uh, ideas above your station, you know, and stay humble. And other advice to actors, like, know your lines in advance. Just learn them in advance. And, you know, and just try and be on time. I had to learn that, you know. I had to learn that. I was you know, at the beginning wasn't always on time, I wasn't disciplined or any of those things, and you you learn it, you know, because actually ultimately those are the things that will help you get booked again.
1: Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you for talking and giving me advice, and this friendship, this friendship that we've had for more than half my life. It's
2: amazing. Long may it continue, and and when we're not podcasting, we'll um, speak again. Yes.
1: Come back to California. We miss you. And I want to go to England. I finished that play and hopefully it gets to England.
2: (laughs) Well, listen, let's make all of these things happen. And uh, you and me, when we're not on camera, we'll speak in a few days as well. Yes. All right. Okay. of love. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening. And that's our show. Thank you, Matt Lucas, for coming on and talking to Ringo today.
1: Thank you, Matt. I really appreciate you coming on to the show. And we miss you in California, and we hope you come back soon.
0: Join us next time as we bring you a brand new episode of the My Penon podcast. And as we always say, bye-bye bye from, from Hollywood! Hollywood.